Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Welcome to Out of the Blue, the only podcast that has been repeatedly called an insult to religions everywhere. I am Jared Stormer of MazingBrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, also of MazingBrew.com, my hetero life mate. Andy, you Eastern European glazed croissant. How the hell are you, my friend? I'm good, sir, and I apologize if I sound muddled today. We've had some technical difficulties, but we're powering through. That's all you can do. We are a resilient bunch here at uh, Out of the Blue and at Mason Brew in general, so we'll, uh, we'll dig deep and get through it. Uh, to be fair, no one tunes in because of the sultry sound of your voice. I hate to break it to you, although it is very Barry White-esque. Thank you so much. I mean, I've always been told I have a voice and face for podcasts. <laughs> They're not wrong, sir, but uh, good to be back with you here. We are continuing through our off-season content, breaking down our opponents, but now we have some camp news. Uh, we're just inching ever closer now. Uh, only a couple more Saturdays. I mean, we've got football next week, so uh, things are starting to get real here. It's hard to believe football is so close. Like, I'm we're finally getting a little bit of news, a little bit here, a little bit there. Uh, Big Ten Network was just in Ann Arbor, you know, just filling us to the brim with information and coverage. So it's been great, man. I can't wait. It's closer than ever, and I'm really excited for this one. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's been interesting because I've been talking with some of my other Michigan uh, fans around here in, in Colorado about, hey, where are we watching the games? And I've kind of gotten the same reaction that none of them are really tuning in to all the preseason hype. 
And, uh, you know, I re rebuttaled with, I said I was going to do that, but uh, here we are, you know, just glued to the, the computer screen, drooling over everything Jerry DiNardo has to say about Michigan and camp. So, uh, you know, as we get closer, you know, the, the fans that still have some hope left, I mean, we're starting to salivate and foam at the mouth. Other people kind of just waiting for game week. But uh, nonetheless, you know, we got a lot of good content to cover tonight. Yeah, we have a lot, a lot coming out, more and more by the week, and Next week's the rivalry podcast. Ooh. I mean, we've been waiting all summer for this, and then after that, it's it's the season. Oof, man, that gets me juiced. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a couple beverages for the rivalry pod. It only seems fair. I mean, we have a couple beverages every podcast. That's true. Yeah, but like a couple more than normal. Fair enough, sir. <laughs> all right, man. Let's get rolling with it. So there's been uh, quite a bit after in our last podcast we lamented the fact that there's just nothing coming out of camp. Of course, as soon as we say that, you start getting tidbits, tidbits, and now uh, the last couple days there's been quite a bit to come out of there. Uh, all of it getting me very, very excited, uh, except we'll start with the bad and move to the good, and it's very bad if you've uh, been following you know, a lot of the content we've been putting out or just know the roster. Ambry Thomas is out with colitis, uh, return unknown, depth chart razor thin behind him, so this was kind of the only real bad news that we've gotten so far out of camp. But to me, I mean, I'm interested to hear your opinion here, but this is a big hit. This is awful. Uh, colitis is extremely painful, and it's a long-term ailment. Like, he will battle this for years to come. It doesn't just go away. It doesn't just heal up. He's not even like he has a cold or anything like that. Um, the pain can subside for stretches of time, but it kind of lingers there, and it'll come back. So, um, yeah, this is horrible news. He could be out for the first game. He could be out for the whole season if the pain's too much. I mean, this is a extremely painful thing to deal with. And, man, I hate that it happened to him. Yeah, of all the people that it could happen to and all the position groups that it could happen to, this and running back are perhaps the worst. And if you believe what uh, Jim Harbaugh says about the running back depth chart, that's really started to improve. So this is the worst place we could take a hit, in my opinion. The depth chart behind him is uh, to say unproven would be generous. Uh, it is a bunch of unknowns, and Ambry Thomas was going to be kind of an unknown, but we felt a little bit better about him just because we've seen you know glimpses. But whoever's coming in for Ambry Thomas is going to be raw. So this is this just became a problem. Cornerback is now without a doubt our weakest position group. I would say it's. I don't know if it's our weakest. You still have Levert Hill to help balance at least one side of the field. And it seems like it's going to be Vincent Gray, who I've, I've been a little higher on than you, but once again, also unproven. You know, so we'll see with, with time. But um, it's almost just like the safety position. We have Josh Metellus. The other side's kind of unproven, unless we have that much faith in a true fresh, freshman or we think it's going to be JKP or Jameric Woods or Brad Hawkins. But the secondary is an issue for sure collectively. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, assuming Vincent Gray steps in for Ambry Thomas, now you've got to replace your nickel. That's probably going to be JKP, Jalen Kelly-Powell. Jamon Green could be another option back there. Uh, DJ Turner is a, a name that I've heard from the coaches in camp as a, as a fast riser, but you really don't want to be counting on a true freshman uh, on your in your back end. Now, Lavert Hill, like you said, is going to cover a lot of blemishes. But that being said, we also saw what happens when they target one player, Brandon Watson. Uh, so it could be ugly if we've got one side of the field that's an absolute liability. So someone's going to have to learn quickly here. And uh, next man up, because uh, it just got really, really thin at corner. Uh, where would you say is our weakest position group if it's not corner? 
I'm still saying our weakest position group is uh, running back. I, uh, running back or linebacker, one or the other, because Josh Ross has been banged up, and you're counting on Cameron McCrode or Jordan Anthony, who are both unproven. And uh, Josh Gaddis may speak very highly of the running back room, but I've, we've seen how quickly injuries can decimate that. And I really don't want to be stuck with True Wilson and Hassan Haskins heading into Ohio State. No, that could be ugly. Uh, I'm not going to fight you too much on that one. We've heard a little bit about Anthony Solomon coming on a little bit at linebacker. That makes me feel a little bit better. Haven't heard much about Cam McGrone. Definitely hoping for him. But yeah, it's one of those three. My vote goes to cornerback with this Ambry Thomas. It was probably cornerback before this Ambry Thomas injury, so now I'm definitely worried about the back end. Not going to matter too much against Middle Tennessee and Army, but you're going to want a solid secondary come Ian Book and Notre Dame and those guys. Yes, but the good thing for Michigan is, much like last year covering up Brandon Watson's early season sins, is the best pass defense starts with a pass rush. Segway to the Mike Dana news. <laughs> Hit him with it. Mike Dana, transfer from Central Michigan, shouts out to Vaughn, and I think Anthony went there too. A couple other people amazing group. Go Chips. Uh, <laughs> or what is it, Fire Up Chips? That's what it is. You don't know. I don't, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm a poser. Um, <laughs> but Mike Dana, the transfer from CMU, is supposedly penciled in to be a starting defensive end. And it looks like it's going to be the pairing of he and Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, to start, which leaves Quiddy Pay as the odd man out. Don Brown has called him the Swiss Army knife of the defense, so he and Josh Uche can be used in very versatile, very versatile, interchangeable roles. So that gets me excited, and the fact that Mike Dana is as advertised or even better. I'm going to run through some walls this season. Oh, yeah, I already have. I put up a bunch of uh, just construction paper walls in my home to make it a little bit more forgiving on my skull, but I'll be running through some walls nonetheless. Uh, <laughs> this, I mean, this is just its kind of unexpected because I had honestly had Pay and Hutchinson kind of just sharpied in there. I, I really thought Dana was going to be rotational. I didn't think it was going to live up to the billing to this degree. Yeah, it sounds like Mike Dana's... All that is advertised, that's very exciting, but honestly, it's a position group that we didn't even really need another guy at. Uh, I think we can go 11 deep on the defensive line. If uh, you think Julius Welshoff is good enough to get in there, he's certainly big enough. So, yeah, a little bit of a surprise. Uh, I think the bigger surprise is Hutch getting in over pay, but they're raving about him right now. I don't think they've necessarily given that other starting role to Aiden Hutchinson, but everything they're saying is that this dude is legit. Sean Newell was gushing about him. Um, Rashawn Gary said last year that he was ahead of where he was as a freshman. So, that, I mean, that could be very scary. Aiden Hutchinson could be an absolute player. And how nice is it to have the two legacy guys, Runyon and Hutchinson, really, really excelling on this team? It feels good. I mean, this definitely feels like what Michigan is all about. Is that father, father played here, son plays here, his son's going to play here, they're all going to be over, you know, seven foot tall. <laughs> every one of them. Yeah, every one of them are all just going to, like, eat smaller children for meals. Yep, that's what you do to get big. That's how you get ahead in this world. Done, the weak one. There. <laughs> him, that boy over there. Eat him, Aiden. <laughs> my boy. <laughs> my son. <laughs> Uh, That's exactly what it seems like, man. But you mentioned the 11 deep on the defensive line. And that is also as if the freshmen are as advertised. True. Which all signs are pointing to that with the Maisie Smith, the Chris Hittens, and the David Ajabos of the world. We're not counting on all of the freshmen here. But if those guys can at least be good pieces. Also, Donovan Jeter's been raved about. And Luigi Villane is healthy and all in one piece. Knock on wood. This is looking good. 
It really is on defensive line, and I'm glad we started with the bad and got to this because the good of this defense is the defensive line depth. No doubt about it. And with Mike Dana hitting, that's just huge. Quiddy Pay is so good. He's going to play a lot. Um, so, I mean, that just tells you how good Hutchinson and Dana must be. I mean, there's just going to be a lot of beef that they can rotate through. Duomfor has been working through something this offseason, so haven't heard much about Duomfor, but that's another guy that you can probably count on when healthy. Uh, at times, Duomfor looked like he could be the best guy on the line. You just put out that article about the defensive line. Great read. Uh, Carlo Kemp, another guy that you and I are extremely high on. So, D-line, we are set. Yeah, and the freak Ben Mason, who now plays defensive tackle because football. <laughs> That's all you can really say about that. I wouldn't want to go up against him no matter what position. You put him at sec- in the secondary. He'd probably yeah, excel. He's going to come out just foaming at the mouth, like scare people with like fake blood smeared on his face. And they're just actually going to believe it's real. It's ben not going to be. Mason is a little crazy. It will be real. He'll actually decapitate a pig before every game and bathe in the pig's blood to frighten <laughs> off enemies. If anyone remembers Owen Schmidt, who played for WVU circa 2007, he came out of one game when he debuted in the NFL, smashing himself in the face with a helmet. And I really think Ben Mason's the second coming. Yeah, I, I agree. It would not surprise me at all to see him empty a clip of like a 9 millimeter and just chew up the rounds and spit them out. Like, Ben Mason on the defensive line is very exciting. I still hope we get to see him at fullback, though, because the dude's a battering ram and loves contact. I'll bet he wants to see a couple touches, at least, on the offense. I guarantee you, but it sounds like it's going to be Ben Van Summeren or Hassan Haskins as the battering rams, as big as they are now. I'm fine with that, too. Segue into the other piece of news that came out, the thing that had you and I chomping at the bit. I mean, I literally was heating up the spoon for this one. Zach Charbonnet, according to Jim Harbaugh, coming on like a freight train. I mean, we try not to get excited, but, I mean, you give me a little blurb like this, I'm sorry, I'm banging my head up against a steel wall. You can't say Zach Charbonnet rides a freight train. Like, you put his name and freight train in the same sense, and I'm just going to eat it up like, oh, my God. This is the (laughs) best news I've heard all summer. Like, I mean, my wife's had some incredible news to tell me personally, but this trumps all that. Yeah, I'm Will Davis in our backfield at age 18. Let's fucking go. You've been calling it for some time now, the young Terrell Davis. Yeah, if Zach Charbonnet wrote like a book report on trains, it'd be enough to get me fucking amped. So, yeah, this has me. I mean, this is a guy that we said had to hit. Felt good about him hitting. You watch the, the highlights. I mean, there's just no denying his talent. Uh, but we need him this year. I mean, True Wilson is going to be a, a solid, solid back for us. But Zach Charbonnet is going to bring a whole different element. Um, he's a guy that could turn into just a, a top-tier running back for us, and something we haven't really had since Mike Hart. I uh, love Karan Higdon, absolutely love him, but this guy could be on a different level. Yeah, someone put out kind of an outrageous take, saying, if Charbonnet can just be similar to Jonathan Taylor's freshman year, I'm like, all right, all right, guys, let's, let's, I, I'm not even you know, that high at this point. That was the 2,000-yard freshman record season. Let's settle down. Yeah. If Zach Charbonnet gets 800 yards this season, I'm going to be ecstatic. Yeah. So let's lower the expectations just a little bit. I saw that same tweet. I'm like, if he could just do that, like the most prolific season from a freshman running back ever, that's that's quite a quite a bar you've set. Yeah, I'm glad it's nice and low. Also, great head of hair on the kid too. Ooh, very exciting. Love that. We need an all. Uh, we need someone to take the mantle of best hair on the team. So we got a candidate here. It's definitely up for it now that we can say since Devin Bush is gone. 
Uh, we also have Mantle for worst hair on the team. No so doubt. That spot's also available. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we'll be watching for that as well. Uh, I mean, it's less coveted of an award, but nonetheless, it is something that will dole out. But Jared, Andy, why didn't you bring that up all season last year? Because Devin Bush was the best player on the team, and I'm not going to make fun of a man that could literally rip me limb from limb. No, he's a reef shark on land. I'm not. I'm not saying anything ill of that man. Not now. Not ever. No, no, none of that, man. Um, that wraps up camp so far. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, some other small talking points. You know, Harbaugh says that he likes what he's seen from the wide receivers. Great that Donovan Peoples Jones is back out there was sounding like in the offseason we might miss him for the season, and now he's back practicing, so that's outstanding. A um, couple other guys working through some small stuff. We mentioned Dwum for Ambry Thomas is obviously the big one, but for the most part, pretty healthy going into camp. Um, Josh Gaddis is there. I mean, just seems like he's really taken the, the bull by the horns. Love his energy. Love watching that interview with him. The guy seems like he just knows football. Um, yeah, man, with every passing minute, every little bit that you give me, I just get more and more excited. <laughs> uh, one thing to watch from the Gaddis offense is uh, he was on John Jansen's podcast recently raving about Cornelius Johnson at receiver, saying he is really coming on, kind of the way Sanders Stroke came on in the spring. Johnson's having the same kind of impact right now. So it just adds more depth to the receiver position. Man, if you're a C. Johnson receiver and you stand over 6'2", there's a good chance you're going to be pretty good. I've seen a lot of C. Johnsons. Colin Johnson at Texas, my boy Calvin for the Lions. Uh, wasn't there like a Charles Johnson that the Lions drafted, but he was awful? Oh, uh, he was so good at Michigan State. He though. was real I good. I admit that, but he was like incredibly good at Michigan State. And then, yeah, didn't, didn't work out. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it did not. But we've got a C. Johnson of our own and just ridiculous depth at the receiver position because they were raving about Ronnie Bell and Sainer Strill, too. So it's like there's, there's really not enough balls to go around. Uh, Cornelius Johnson will probably redshirt, and that's totally fine because we're going to have to replace some talent after this year. Yeah, and the fact that they can play, what, four games now and still retain their redshirt? Yeah, so get them in against Middle Tennessee, see what you've got there, and, you know, probably get them out. Unless, I mean, injuries and whatnot, then, you know, that's great. You've got a, a taller receiver that you think you can get in there, but just very deep at that position. I think the biggest thing remaining, the biggest unknown remaining, uh, besides, I guess, the quarterback position, which seems like it's going to be Vincent Gray, is who wins right tackle and who wins kicker, because apparently there's a battle there, because they just want me to have a stroke before the season. (laughs) Yeah, I've been in the hospital for far too many hours just because of Quinn Nordine, so I don't need any more of that. But of course, they're going to say there's a competition. They want Quinn Nordine to work out. I mean, for all the, the shenanigans that went into recruiting him, for how big of a leg he is, I mean, all the coverage on him and whatnot. I mean, I have to imagine they want to give that kid a chance. But uh, if it's if it's my homeboy Jake Moody, I'm going to feel a lot better about going into the season. The dude rattled off like nine in a row. What more do you want? Yeah, no, it's all about Jake Moody. No, I, I don't want to see Quinn Nordine. Let him have kickoffs. Just give Quinn sure. Nordine kickoffs. I'm fine with that. He'll probably kick it out of bounds because he has no accuracy. But uh, if I hear, put his leg talent one more time, I'm going to blow my fucking brains out. (laughs) I swear to God I'm going to lose it. If I hear Yamo be there one more time, I'm going to Yamo burn this place to the ground. (laughs) Precisely. And uh, as far as right tackle is concerned, it's a decently big question mark, not just referring to the size of the men. But um, I I feel good with whoever starts. Uh, Ed Warren is a great coach. I think he'll make the right decision. Both guys are huge. So 
fine with this. Yeah, I would probably give the edge to Stuber at this point, just from a couple clips that I've seen from practice. Uh, saw Werner really raving about his effort and his hustle. Uh, yeah, I feel pretty good about it either way. And I mean, with right tackle, with the amount of talent there on the line, even if they're not quite up to speed with the other guys, you can kind of mask that. Uh, I mean, we're going to have some serious, serious beef on that offensive line. So I feel good about, like you said, whoever goes in there, my bet is Stuber right now. I think I'm fine with that. I would, wouldn't surprise me to see Stuber get it now. Mayfield take it later if there's any struggle there. But it seems like these guys are as close as they can get at tackle. Yeah, it does sound like a really close one. Definitely one of the battles you're going to want to watch. And now cornerback, who's going to step up at cornerback. So still some position groups being ironed out. Um, at running back, you seem pretty set on True Wilson, Turner, uh, Charbonnet. I mean, they like Haskins, too, which is good to hear. Uh, he might, like you said, take over that bowling ball role. So, uh, yeah, it's still some, some stuff being worked out. But for the most part, I mean, this depth chart is looking pretty well solidified, in my opinion. Yeah, there's not a, a glaring weaknesses. I mean, we have faith in lesser-known players that national media or some other members may not, such as, like, linebacker. Like, we feel better about the Jordan Anthony's of the world stepping in, or even safety, like if it's not Dax Hill. We feel okay with Brad Hawkins, who last year made one bonehead play a game, but then was actually really solid after that. Yeah, solid against the run. I like that about Brad Hawkins. And the coverage part is the hardest part to teach. There's a lot that goes into that, so I mean, you have to assume he could take a step up. Uh, Jameric Woods still on the roster, so he could be a guy that gets a look. But I expect Dax Hill to play a lot. But yeah, that's a competition I would have to imagine um, for for snaps there. Um, yeah, any other battles that you can think of? Kicker, right tackle, linebacker, cornerback. Now nickel corner, I guess. Yeah, um, no running back seems pretty sad. D line, O line set, receiver set. Um, I mean, that about that really about does it. Everyone else is just kind of we know who's going to play at least. Like if we don't know exactly, like for certain who it is, we have an idea within two people. Yes, uh, another part that uh, Harbaugh mentioned was uh, Giles Jackson, Dax Hill, and Sainerstrill separating themselves as returners. So that's it. That's interesting. If I see some Giles Jackson action this year, I might just lose it. Yeah, the only thing that worries me about him returning his size, like, just please don't get hurt back there, Giles. You're a little fella. Yeah, that's true, but Dennis Norfleet, man, remember that cat? He was a he was a little spark plug back there, and that dude was, like, smaller than me. Yeah, it's a very fair point. So, maybe it's Giles. I mean, I like that it's the young guys getting back there, though. They're the ones that want to get up there and make a name for themselves, and we saw how important it was last year to have an electrifying returner against Notre Dame. Yes, absolutely. I definitely want to see DPJ get some touches there, too, though. The dude is just smart. You know, he's a very smart punt returner. Uh, maybe not on kick returns, but... No, um, no. no. Let's just keep him on punts. He just, makes good decisions. Yeah, yeah. Keep him on punts. He won't take any unnecessary hits. Get those young guys in for kick returning. And, yeah, I mean, that's a lot of juice back there. And hopefully Embry Thomas can get back, because I'd love to see him field a few. Yeah, man. Just back to the news of the colitis. Just, it's one of those things you're just like, it's just really devastating. Like, there's nothing you can do to prevent it. Most of the time it comes from family history. And it's like, you're just kind of just sucks it just sucks is what it does man it's just terrible yeah there's nothing you can do about it you knew it was coming i mean you don't hope for an injury anywhere but you'd kind of hope it'd be somewhere like receiver or defensive line somewhere we can cover that loss but that's just the name of the game i mean you don't control it nobody controls it i'm sure he's more devastated by it than anyone so definitely a big blow but uh, enough talent on this team to hopefully cover that loss 
Uh, yeah, I mean, that's about it for camp right now. I'm, I'm sure as soon as we sign off, some huge blurble drop that we missed. But for now, that's that pretty much covers it, I'd say. On to Indiana, my friend. Let's do it. So we're going to continue breaking down our opponents. Last week, we talked Maryland uh, and Notre Dame in our dual dual pod. This week, we've got just Indiana. Not sure they're deserving of their own pod, but they're going to get it nonetheless. They have traditionally played Michigan very tough. This is the second year under Tom Allen, I believe. Last year was his first season or second season? Uh, I want to say at least his second season. Though. Okay, yeah, but regardless, took over for Kevin Wilson, and uh, other than both of them having just some of the most generic American names, uh, you know, a lot of similarities as far as the quality of the program, but the defense has improved a lot. They've got some guys returning, so let's get into Indiana, sir. What do you want to start with? Uh, last season was Tom Allen's third year, just for the record. Okay. Uh, I want to get into the most important part of Indiana, and that is running back Stevie Scott. He is an absolute freight train, being coached up by the legend himself, Mike Hart. was a problem last year for Michigan, ended last season with over 1,100 yards rushing, 10 touchdowns, 5 yards of carry, um, set a school record for times going over 100 yards for a freshman at IU. Peyton Rams is their quarterback. I mean, you know what you're going to get there. It's, I mean, it's not Richard Lego. God, I love that guy. He just always, always knew how to make the right decision for Michigan. But uh, Peyton Rams is competent. He's not just a complete waste of space back there. But this offense is going to run to and through Stevie Scott most of the season, especially against Michigan. Yeah, they're going to want that to be the case. I mean, he's 6'2", 235. I mean, that's a big, big running back. That's like an Alabama-sized running back. But I feel pretty good about that matchup against our defensive line and our linebackers. So if that's going to be you know, their primary focus, I'm not too scared about that. Peyton Ramsey likely gets the nod at quarterback, but they also have a redshirt freshman, Michael Penix. A little too close to penis for my liking. But he uh, looked like he was going to take the job last year as a redshirt freshman. So he was a guy they were excited about. So it could be either of them. Um, I think they probably hope it's the redshirt freshman. He has probably a little bit higher ceiling. Uh, but Peyton Ramsey's no slouch. Uh, through 19 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, you may have touched on that. He can run a little bit. He's a bigger dude, but he can get out and, and, and run the ball average 3.2 yards per carry. But I'm not really scared of their passing attack. Um, they've got some seniors, senior receivers, um, kind of similar to our receiving threat last year, Nick Westbrook and Donovan Hale, bigger receivers. They caught 590 and 508 yards respectively. Um, 590 yards and 508 yards, respectively. So pretty decent, kind of like our guys, but I, I don't feel as strongly that they're the kind of talent and they have the kind of passing talent with Peyton Ramsey to really challenge us. But that being said, with our secondary, it could be something to watch. Maybe that's how they try and exploit us. Yes, and Nick Westbrook is actually a sneaky good possession type receiver. Uh, in 2016, he was actually second to Big Ten in receiving, only behind Austin Carr at Northwestern. Uh, just under 1,000 yards that season. Um, so it's going to be interesting to watch. Their offense is definitely changing more to be run-centric. And Indiana always gives Michigan fits. Two of the last four years have gone at least one overtime. Like, I mean, things all wacky things always happen. In 2016, it was only 20-10 to 10 in the snow. Last year, 31-20, only an 11-point game. At home. There's always, some, there's always some chicanery in these games, too. Tom Allen's teams are always a little bit chippy. There's always an edge. And uh, this game terrifies me. It's between Michigan State and Ohio State, and that goes home, road, home. Very worried about Indiana. 
Yeah, I'm not super worried about them because we do always find a way to pull it out. But yeah, they're going to play us tight. I do remember last year Tom Allen, due to some uh, officiating mistakes, Michigan was unable to score before the half, and Tom Allen acted like they just won the national championship because of that. Still went on to lose the game, so he was made to look like a little bit of a jackass. And maybe he is a bit of a jackass. Uh, that being said, this game in Bloomington, yeah, this could be tough. Definitely sandwiched in between those two rivalry games. That adds a little bit of uh, maybe trap game element. So, you know, it, it, it is a little nerve-wracking. His defense has improved every year that he's been there. They took a step back, uh, I think it was last year, but that was just because of turnover. But expect them to be a pretty decent defense again. Um, uh, in prior, prior to his arrival, they were the worst in the Big Ten. So they've definitely improved under Allen. They've got uh, junior defensive tackle Jerome Johnson. He was their leader in sacks last year with three and a half, so not necessarily a huge pass rushing threat, but and the fact that it's coming from the defensive tackle position suggests to me they don't have a lot of edge rushers. But they've got some players back there. Uh, their nickelback Marcelino Ball uh, not only has a great name, but is a pretty solid cover corner. Uh, he had 59 tackles, five for a loss last year. Uh, very athletic kid. So they've got some players on defense. They could make things tough for us, especially if we're caught sleeping. Yeah, no, it's a very good point. Um, what worries me about you know their corners and stuff is Shea didn't have a great game against them last season. Yeah, he finished with 250 in the air. He had one touchdown to pick. Uh, was just 16 for 28. Um, Karan Higgins once again kind of bailed us out with a big effort, 21 carries for 101 yards. The year before that, he went over 200, if I'm correct, they're right at 200. So they always just rise up to this game. Last year, like I said before, Stevie Scott went for 139 on us. Um, 2015, who was Michigan's leading rusher against Indiana? Devin Gardner. 2015, sir. Oh, 2015. I'm going way the hell back. Got 2015, so that'd be Devion Smith, Jake Jake Rudock. There it is. Jake Rudock averaged nine yards a carry. He went 33 for 46, 440, six touchdowns and one pick in that double overtime thriller. I remember that game. That was when we were riding the height of Dad Rudock power. That was, and uh, J.U. Chesson, by the way, finished that game with 10 catches for 207. And four touchdowns. Yeah, that'll do. That'll do, Jehu. <laughs> that, that'll suffice. That will so, suffice. Uh, this team, I mean, every time we play Indiana, it feels like it takes a big effort from someone to pull these games out. Like I said two years ago it was the Karan Higdon game because John O'Corn couldn't complete a pass. Dad Rudock and this team because our defense couldn't stop Jordan Howard, who rushed for 238 against us. So, I don't know, man. There's always something kind of, kind of fishy in the air in these games. Absolutely, and the fact that it's in Bloomington, it'll probably be cold, so I mean it might be hard to get the passing game going. The fact that it's sandwiched in between rivalry games, there's definitely a lot to make you nervous, but I won't believe Indiana can actually beat one of these quality teams until I see it. Uh, five and seven last year, they haven't had a winning record since like 2007. Um, I don't necessarily see them being able to get through Michigan this year. I think this is going to be a well-coached, very determined team. But it's going to be tight, I think. I think you're absolutely right. I think that we get caught sleeping just a little bit. Definitely going to need to ride the running backs in this one, so hopefully we're healthy there. Uh, I don't see us being able to pass all over the field. It's going to be cold, probably wintry conditions. Uh, everyone's going to be looking ahead to Ohio State. I don't see this being some huge passing game. Um, and hopefully our defense is able to really win the day for us. That being said, I mean, 
this this could be like a back and forth affair, man. So um, yeah, if if you've got anything else before we do predictions, yeah, the, you touched on Indiana has you know gotten over that hump. They haven't beat Michigan since nineteen eighty seven, and uh, my prediction is Indiana pulls the upset. Whoa, whoa! Yeah, I I don't want to say it. I told you I wasn't going to pick Michigan to go undefeated. Um, this just feels like the trap game of all trap games between Michigan State and Ohio State. That's a big emotional toll, especially if both those teams are good this season. If Michigan State can rise up and ride the strength of their defense and the work he can just play average, they'll be a top 15 ranked team when we play. And uh, that's a big high to come down from. Indiana always plays us tough. That's a, a Super Bowl weekend for them, it feels like. I think Indiana pulls the upset, man. It's going to be ugly, murky, a frustrating game. Mistake here, mental mistake there, offsides. Uh, I have IU 34-32. Interesting. I knew you had to take a loss somewhere. You know, we've both discussed that we don't think they're going undefeated. I'm very surprised that it's at Indiana. That being said, I get where you're coming from. Uh, all the same reasons that I said that this game makes me nervous, uh, you touched on right there in this. I'm not going to pick that. I already picked my one loss, uh, but I'm not going to hate on you too much. I don't necessarily know that you believe this, but you feel like you have to pick it. Is that? It, it's, it's fair. I mean, they do travel to Penn State the week before, so maybe you know they don't have like a bye week or anything like that, like the Notre Dame situation here. Um but then they just worry me. And like I said, they've played Michigan tough the last four seasons. Every year since Harbaugh's been there, it's been a nail-biter, man. And uh, if I feel like one team's kind of itching to get over that hump, it's Indiana. But um, we'll see if it happens. They haven't done it since 87. Uh, players of the game, I'll say uh, in the loss, it's hard to say this right now. Yeah, do you want um, to pick uh, players from the winning team? The winning team? Stevie Scott. Okay. Stevie Scott would be the player of the game. He would just have a big day on the ground. I can't say with confidence that Peyton Ramsey is going to throw all over Michigan. But um, if this secondary doesn't get sorted out, maybe he does. So, uh, But Stevie Scott ran across his defense last year, and he'll do it again this year if Indiana's to win the game. Okay. Uh, I mean, I don't hate the prediction. I mean, I do, but I see where you're coming from here. You don't want to predict an undefeated season. That just seems like bad karma. So I'm all right with it. And yeah, if they're going to do it, it's going to be Stevie Scott. But also, if Ambry Thomas still isn't playing and we've got a depleted secondary, maybe the game plan is to just throw it all over. I watched that Indiana game last year, and they were able to complete some some timely passes. So the end of the team that gave Ohio State the... Game plan, or is that Rutgers that really broke down the defense with like the, the crossing patterns? Might have been Rutgers. Uh, no, 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 it was Indiana. Okay, yeah. yeah, it was Indiana that broke them down with the crossing patterns. And then Ohio State saw that. That yep, yeah, because it was right. It was Indiana and then Ohio State last year. Same, same as thing this year. Same so that's thing what as I'm this saying, year, man. Like Indiana saw something early on and said, "We need to run these crossing patterns." And uh, Don Brown's expanded coverage playbook is going to be tested against this team. Yeah, if we can't stop crossing routes by Indiana this year, I'm gonna pick up watching cricket or something else. I'm gonna I'm gonna find a new hobby. I've really heard rugby's good this time of year. Oh, okay. Well good. I'm gonna be a huge rugby fan if we can't stop a crossing route come Indiana. 
Uh, your prediction? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with a tight game also, but I'm going to have Michigan coming out on top of this one, 27-23. Uh, I think Michigan's talent will win out. I think that, you know, they'll get caught sleeping in it. I could easily see us going down again and having to claw back into it. But I think a, a big second half from Shea Patterson, um, the defense really turning it up in the second half is going to make things hard on them. Like I said, it's probably going to be cold in Bloomington. Bloomington's surprisingly loud. Uh, for a small stadium. They can really ratchet up the noise there. So, I mean, it could be tough for, for Shea Patterson, uh, but I think that he'll do just enough, and I think we'll have a big day from the running backs. I'll go True Wilson as my player of the game for on offense. Um, on defense, I'm going to say that they stop these crossing routes. So I'm going to go with my pick now for nickel corner. Well, it, it's tough to say because maybe Embry Thomas is back by then, but I'm going to go with Vincent Gray. Drew Wilson and Vincent Gray as my players of the game. Um, we need Vincent Gray to step up, so maybe this is just a uh, a pick of necessity for me. But that's my pick nonetheless. I like it, man. I can't hit with that. Gray's gonna have to have the big day. I mean, he don't have any choice otherwise. And uh, I guess we thought we were deeper at quarter last season. We really weren't. We found out that Brandon Watson was just a reliability or complete liability in main coverage. Yeah, yeah, we found that out the hard way. But up until then, Brandon Watson had had a hell of a season. So I really hope that we're not seeing the uh, the exact same thing there. But, uh, yeah, that being said, I think we're both in agreement that this is going to be a tight one. So uh, always watch out for Indiana. Never sleep on them. Yeah, don't sleep on them. Tom Allen's going to celebrate if they get a call one way or the other. And you're just going to be repulsed the whole game. But, uh, yeah. This game terrifies me, obviously, so we'll see how it goes. And next week, rivalry pod. Rivalry. State and Ohio State. Absolutely, yeah. So as of right now, we've both predicted one loss for Michigan up to this point, but we're kind of going out of order here. It goes Michigan State, then Indiana, then Ohio State. We're grouping in the uh, the rivalry uh, pods next week, so that'll be a big one for us. And uh, excited to talk about that. A uh, little hurt that you picked Indiana to beat us, but, uh, you know, our, our, our bond is deeper than that. I can forgive this one transgression. Like that one time you picked Devin White over Devin Bush in a mock NFL draft. Yeah, and you haven't let me live it down. Did you see him in the preseason the other night? They said that he played as perfect of a game as you could possibly play in the preseason. And of course, as a Lions fan, I just sat there shaking my head because it's like, hey, we have a neat tight end. You do have, like, you know, like the surest pick in the draft, but it's like, God, look at Devin Bush go. Look at him, yeah, and he's everything that we knew he would be. I mean, he's going to be Troy Polamalu for that defense, and now I have to watch a bunch of Steelers games, so way to go, Lions, for making me watch the Steelers. Yeah, at least Juju Smith-Schuster is extremely likable as well. That's true, and they're a well-run organization. Like, I like Mike Tomlin. I just don't like Steelers, and their fans are everywhere. There's not that many people from Pittsburgh. I don't understand how their fans are just everywhere. Yeah, Steeler Nation is like a real thing and uh, the bane of my existence here. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's up there for me. But uh, all right, that's going to do it for our Indiana breakdown. Uh, got a very special treat tonight for our entertainment segment, one of our last ones before the season wraps up. We are talking the badass women of film history, and uh, we've got a very special guest, Hannah Harsh from Views from the Stadium Boulevard podcast on Maze and Brew. She'll be joining us. Uh, I think that it's only fair to have a woman's perspective on the, the baddest of ass women in film history rather than, uh, I guess, mansplaining our picks. 
Yeah, we're an all-inclusive Todd. We want some of the most badass women explaining this, hence why Hannah's coming on. Absolutely. But uh, we'll be back after a quick break, and we'll do our entertainment pod right after this. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Welcome back to Out of the Blue. We are continuing with our entertainment segment. One of the last ones that we're going to have before the season kicks off. Very special podcast tonight, though. And we are very pleased to welcome Hannah Harsh from Views from the Stadium Boulevard podcast tonight to join us to talk badass women of film. Hannah, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. We are excited to have you. Uh, we generally don't have this kind of class and uh, just dignity uh, on, on our <laughs> oh, show. So you're really bringing another level here. So we're, we're happy to have you. That's what I try to do. <laughs> and you succeed, ma'am. So tonight we thought it was appropriate to bring a female on to talk badass women of film because, uh, you know, we're two dudes. So that doesn't really make a lot of sense. So definitely wanted to get your perspective on things. But that being said, this is a Michigan podcast primarily. So we would be uh, remiss if we didn't give you some Michigan questions. So we're going to hit you with some rapid fire Michigan questions right here. Are you down right. for it? All right. Leaving things off. Let's get right to the important thing. It's better nickname on the team. Nico Suave or Long Island, your thoughts? Ooh, I, I didn't even know those were nicknames. Oh, they you are. Said, oh, they, oh, they exist in our realm. We made them up. In your realm. Okay. Um, wait, can you say them again? Nico Suave for Nico Collins. Yeah, yeah. Or, well, I guess, damn, David Long's off the team. So, who's our other one? I was going to use him. Chris Evans is also off the team because he's delivering pizzas in Ann Arbor. Correct. Um, can I do a um, write-in? Yes. Yeah, please. Okay, so I read in an article that Colin Castleton goes by Swaggy C. I guess that's basketball, but I just really, really like that. Hmm, okay, Swaggy C for Colin Castleton. When I think Colin Castleton, I think Gumby, the uh, the favorite children's character from the early 90s. Uh, very long, thin, and looks like a slight breeze might take him away, but I like the nickname. <laughs> but also Swaggy. I was more beaker, like, from the, like, <laughs> the way he moves, but um, Swaggy C, I, I, that's a good nomination. I like that. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm fine with that. Okay, here comes one for you. Who leads this team in receiving this year? Oh, DPJ. I love it. Love the pick. Andy? All right, better name on the team, Mustafa Muhammad or Cade McNamara? Um, I like Cade McNamara just because it reminds me of, like, the airport. Ooh. <laughs> Okay, I like that. Yeah, like we could. Terminal. <laughs> we could, ooh, that's not a bad idea. There's a nickname in there somewhere when his time comes. <laughs> when the time comes. His time will come. Okay, I love it right here. Which player owns more of your heart, Jake Butt or Mo Wagner? Mo, one hundred percent. Easily, interesting. Yes. I'm kind of surprised. I was a freshman in 2016, so. Okay. I I drove 25 hours to San Antonio to see Mo, so definitely Mo. God, that smile that he has. I can't hate on that. <laughs> yeah, but have you seen Jake Butt's eyes? Like, for God, the picture of him sitting in the snow after Indiana? Oh, my God. Yeah. That's true. That's true. I mean, it's not that Jake Butt doesn't have a large part of my heart. It's just that Mo has more. Okay. Yep. Right. I'm fine with that. Andy. All right. Um, I know you're more 
basketball, you know. So it's more, it's more of your home. But better Jordan moment, or better just a better play. Let's take the moment out of it. Jordan Lewis's interception or Jordan Poole's buzzer beater? Um, I've got to go Jordan Poole. I cried. That was the most beautiful <laughs> moment of my life. <laughs> That's all I needed to hear. No argument for me. I watched that on repeat. Um, super intoxicated on St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> what those fantastic moments! I actually um, had stormed out of the room because I was like, I can't watch this anymore. This is horrible. And then my friends like pulled me back in, and luckily I saw it as I was walking back into the room after having like changed into my sweatshirt and like pulled my hoodie over my face and saying I was done with Michigan basketball forever. So it was a beautiful moment. Definitely seems like a reasonable reaction. <laughs> yeah, that's actually, that really fits the narrative of a lot of my Michigan moments of me, like, leaving to go, you know, buy a pack of cigarettes or, like, a, a liter of Jack Daniels because I say I can't do this anymore. So yours was actually a little more tame. I can respect that. Okay, uh, would that be your best Michigan moment? And if not, your favorite Michigan moment since you've been a Michigan fan? Ooh, since I've been a Michigan fan. Yes. Um, so since birth um <laughs> let me think my favorite michigan moment well my favorite moment like in as a student in the student section was like against wisconsin when they were playing jump around because it was just so much fun my favorite moment to watch oh there's so many good ones i might go with the jordan pool shot and that's a very basic answer i'm probably gonna think of something more edgy after this but that's what's coming to mind right now <laughs> that's plenty edgy yeah, I mean, there's no, I mean, there's no shame in taking that. It's the obvious pick for a reason. It was awesome. Right. Yeah, I don't okay. even, I don't even know what mine would be, honestly. So, props to you for coming up with something. <laughs> yeah, there's just so much pain mixed in there. It's hard to find the good. Mine would probably be like Jake Rudolph just like going off in some random game because just unknown happiness. I didn't know I could feel. Um, <laughs> all right, Hannah, who's your favorite Michigan football player on this current team? Uh, DPJ. Love it. That's he's top three for me as well. Just such a well-rounded dude. Plus, he's going to be a doctor. Seems like he comes from a lovely family. Did the Paul Bunyan pose after breaking open the Michigan yeah. State game? Is he still going to be a doctor? I wonder about that sometimes. I think so, he's so probably plan. yeah. I think he's probably going to be an NFL player first. Yeah, he could be both part time. <laughs> yeah, part time doctor. Side hustle. <laughs> yeah. What's your side hustle? I'm a neurological surgeon on the side. Yeah. If anyone can do it, it's DPJ. Absolutely. All right, I got one more for you. Anyone on this team that you could go on one date with, who are you saying yes to? Ooh, okay. Let me think. Let me go through the roster. I mean, (laughs) well, DPJ is my favorite player, so I might... Yeah. I don't know. I've had some uh, moments where I'm trying to ask, like, about football to people, and they think that I'm trying to... Yeah, I'm not going to go into that story, <laughs> but sometimes I just want to pick people's brains about football, and they think that I have other intentions. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would love to go on a date with Dylan McCaffrey, but to be fair, I would have other intentions. He's too too beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with that one. Andy, who are you going on a date with? Um, is that Charbonnet 18? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, I'll look into that. things off the table here. I can't <laughs> Dylan McCaffrey is definitely up there. Um, yeah, I might have to. I might have to think. I mean, 
Dylan, okay, Dylan McCaffrey's a year younger than me. That's not that. I, I think of Dylan McCaffrey as a little baby. I know for you guys it's more of a joke answer, but for me, I'm like, ooh, these people all go to school with me. This is probably what you're inside. Yeah. yeah. If, you, um, if you saw my face right now, you'd see that I'm in no way joking. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dylan McCaffrey, we're all available for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> any, any one of us. Take your pick. Look, we're not going to pressure you anyway. That's The Bachelor, but Dylan McCaffrey and the three of us. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch that show. I would too, and be in it. I would just be the crazy one night one who gets drunk and like shouldn't do it and just causes all kinds of problems. <laughs> I'd still watch that, and I'd uh, your your role is a necessary one. But uh, all right, Andy, you got another question before we get into this entertainment segment? Um, has any moment hurt your heart more than Michigan Ohio State in 2016? That moment did hurt my heart a lot. Um, well, there have been a couple Ohio State years that hurt my heart a lot. I guess that probably would be the most painful because it's, like, one specific moment. Um, for some reason, the Michigan basketball game this year that we lost to Penn State in really, really, like, just broke me because I was expecting it to be a really, really, like, nice game. I made myself hot chocolate, and I was literally, like, texting Harley about how thankful I am for Michigan basketball and that they're just games where I know we're going to win. And, yeah, that... That emotionally hurt me, even though most people probably don't even remember that game. Hot chocolate and sadness go hand-in-hand in Michigan basketball. Yeah, not most of the time, but occasionally. Yeah, occasionally when you least expect it. That's what makes it hurt so bad. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you already made the hot chocolate. Really, that's what we're lamenting here is wasted hot chocolate. I mean, the hot chocolate wasn't wasted. I still drank it. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) It probably, like, comforted me in the moment. That is, yeah, that's a comforting drink, absolutely. So either way, I mean, it made it better. Yes. (laughs) Okay, good. All right, cool. Well, thanks for participating that you did a a bang-up job there, being as how you had no preparation for that, so well played. Thank you. (laughs) Okay, but tonight we are talking our entertainment pod. We're doing Badass Women of Film History. This is one we've been looking forward to. There's a lot of them out there. Um, You know, we kind of talked with you offline about some of the ones that you wanted to talk about. We've got some ones we want to touch on, so I'm just going to get it going if y'all don't have any objections. By all means. Perfect. All right. So my first one, probably the most obvious choice of any badass female character. I want to get it out there. It's Princess Leia from the Star Wars trilogy. Uh, my first crush, her and Wednesday Adams from the Adams Family. Uh, that might date me a little bit, but I'm fine with it. Uh, just, I mean, the hairstyle, the snarky attitude, and I love it that she was the damsel in distress role, like, oh, they need to come save the princess, but as soon as they meet her, she's just throwing heat, talking shit, you know, get this walking rug out of the way, like, just immediately snarky and keeping up with Han Solo. I mean, I loved everything about it. It's it's everything I want in a woman. <laughs> Andy, your thoughts on that? Oh, Leia Organa is just a timeless, timeless character. Um, God, you nailed it in the head there, man. She picks off with the damsel in distress role, and they kind of just change it to where she's giving the start, just like Han, and they have the back and forth. For a while, she kind of has some murky, incestual stuff going sure. on with Luke that we don't know yet, but we'll look past it. Sure. Um, no, she's fantastic. Great hair. Uh, slave Leia. All time. All timer. Your thoughts, Hannah? I mean, yeah, I agree with everything you guys said. Full disclosure, I have not seen any of the Star Wars movies since I was probably, like, 10. But she was this definitely... out of the blue. We'll see you yeah, That's it. Week. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm probably kicked off forever now. And out of, like, every... Yeah, every person I've ever talked to is like, what the heck, you haven't? I've also never seen Harry Potter. Um, but, no, yeah, she's definitely the coolest and an icon, like a cultural icon. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, less hot chocolate, more Star Wars and Harry Potter over the coming weeks. I'm going to need you to get those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers. I, I don't know if I can do the less hot chocolate part of that. Fine. All right. Jeez. All right. All right, Hannah. You got one for us. Hit us. Is this me? Oh, it's you. You're Hannah. Yes. Okay. Um, so, I watched Silence of the Lambs for the first time, like, last week. And I think it's the first actual good movie I have watched in a very long time. And Clarice Starling was just the coolest character. I really like how she talked with that, like, low voice. I don't know. Super yeah. cool. And it was really cool having how they had her as, like, she was a woman in pretty much an all-male, like, setting, I guess, like, most of her, the people she was surrounded by were men, and seeing how she navigated that was really interesting, and, yeah, it was really cool. Great choice. Andy, your thoughts? Yeah, the movie's dominated by, like, a 95% male cast, I don't think that's by mistake. It really emphasizes Clarice's role and everything. There's a shot really early on in the movie when she's, like, jostling her way to get into an elevator crowded with men, and that's definitely symbolic of a larger, like, theme going on in the film. No. Jodie Foster is amazing in that movie and how she's like, she's not an over-the-top, like, I'm going to save the day kind of like untouchables FBI agent. She's just, you know, subdued. She's learning. She's a junior agent, you know? She's not even fully with, I mean, the Bureau, the bureau yet. So, no, fantastic choice. And the first interaction with she and Hannibal Lecter still some of the most like, riveting five minutes of film I've ever seen outside of Migs throwing semen at people. Sure, sure. Yeah, that definitely stands out. Uh, yeah, I love this choice here. Andy, you touched on that scene that definitely was supposed to convey that this is a man's world. She enters the elevator and there's all these like six foot four blonde FBI agents and she's standing five four, you know, all wearing the same thing. Very telling shot right there. And then, yeah, just the way that she's able to come in and never, no one's on the intellectual level of Hannibal Lecter, but the fact that she's even able to kind of you know, hold pace with him is pretty damn impressive. Uh, I think that low voice, though, is just Jodie Foster kind of sounding a little mannish. But uh, that being said, it really works for the character. Yeah, I mean, that that is a, a real thing, though. Like, I mean, Elizabeth Holmes with her fake low voice and stuff. Oh, yeah. When you're the only woman in a room, that's sometimes a thing that happens. Ah, interesting. Do you do that? Um, I honestly thought about looking up tutorials on how to lower my voice, because whenever I listen to the podcast, I'm like, ooh, that is very high-pitched, but no, I don't do that. Okay, fair enough. Smoke a lot of cigarettes. There you go. That's yeah, my, I'll that's, get on that. That's Less my medical advice. more cigarettes. Yeah, there you Maybe go. a lot of good advice from this podcast. You're welcome. <laughs> Andy, you're up, brother. All right, next one for me is easy one. Um, Semi-recently, um, probably my all-time favorite, spoiler alert, female badass character is Furiosa from Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, you get the beautiful and uber-talented Charlize Ther- Theron just dominating this performance and really taking over a movie that had been, you know, the man's world with then Mel Gibson, then it was supposed to be Tom Hardy, and you had no idea what you were about to get, and this just, like, tornado of a performance from her. Just the physicality, I mean, there's not many lines in it. When she does have them, she just nails them. No. She has one arm, for God's sakes. No, she's fantastic. She's perfect. The movie's perfect. Uh, love the choice. Uh, I don't know. Hannah, have you even seen Mad Max Fury Road? If so, add that to the homework along with smoking cigarettes. I'll add that to my homework list. I have a lot of summer homework right now. Yeah, you really do. Not to mention you're still in school, correct? Yeah, well, not right now, but yes. Soon I enough. Will be in school. All right, school. yeah, well, get on this. But yeah, absolutely a fantastic choice. If you didn't touch on her, which I knew you would, we're always battling to cover Mad Max Fury Road. You notice that? 
I mean, it's it's one of the best action movies of this decade. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I'm fine with battling it out. Just a, maybe her best character doesn't have a ton of dialogue, but just the grit that she plays that role with. Um, I also love that, you know, they show her in the beginning and she's got the prosthetic arm and you think of that as kind of her weakness, but in the end it ends up being a strength for her. She's actually probably, you could argue, the lead in that movie over Max. Like, you might be able to make that argument. She gets a lot of screen time. Uh, The story revolves around her trying to, you know, break those women out of... Um, you know, whatever mutant jail, mutant sex jail that they're in there. Um, and she just, I mean, all time badass female, just cause she, she like goes toe to toe with Tom Hardy's Mad Max and like, honestly was beating him for a long time in that fight. So great choice. Uh, Hannah, if you have anything to add about this character that you don't know anything about, by all means. Nope. (laughs) They don't call her the best color woman in sports for nothing, folks. (laughs) Badass sex jail, new band name called it. Damn it. <laughs> Character up. All right, my next one's another obvious one. This one has to be touched on, so I will do it. It will be Ripley from the Alien series, uh, especially Alien and Aliens. She just commands the screen, doesn't necessarily do anything other than be super competent and super badass. She's tough to kill. Um, she's got some great lines. She's resilient. She's the only one that's making any good decisions in the first Alien, whereas everyone else is just making terrible horror movie decisions. She's actually kind of like reasonably navigating this horrible situation with aliens on your ship in space. Um, You know, the sequence of her in Aliens, where she's in the mechanized arm thing fighting the queen, that's just an all-timer for me. Ripley's a a must-have on this list. You can't go wrong with having her on this list, and we would be remiss if we didn't mention her at least once. Hey, I don't know if you've seen Alien or Aliens, but add it to the homework. It's on Um, the list. (laughs) But, um... No, I mean, Sigourney Weaver is probably has the championship belt for badass women, like, characters throughout film with all the roles she's portrayed. Yep. Even her, like, subtle role in the last scene in the cabin in the woods. That She's just on another level. And she's, I mean, pretty much the inspiration behind us having this podcast. So, shouts out to Sigourney. Yep, absolutely. Oh. Ghostbusters, too? Yeah, excellent. Ghostbusters 1 and 2. Oh, yeah, I was just saying Ghostbusters 2 with two O's, like, as well. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, you are up, Hannah. Who you got for us? All right, so I have Katniss Everdeen, who is probably, I'm going to sound, like, young for saying this, but how Princess Leia was the, like, iconic female character for a generation, I feel like Katniss is more the iconic female character for my generation. Um, And the Hunger Games were just such a cultural phenomenon, and Katniss was, I really liked how she was the lead, and then the what's-his-name guy, Josh Peta, was, like, not as strong of a character as she was. I think that was an interesting dynamic that you don't see a lot in movies, especially between the two love interests. So, yeah, I really liked her as a character. No, she's really good, and Jennifer Lawrence definitely brings a lot to that role. And, um, no, I've I've only seen the first two, just regrettably. So, full disclosure, so I have some homework as well, Hannah. You're not heard <laughs> of this. Um... But no, she brings a lot to that character and just really just everything she has to portray from, you know, being a provider to sacrificial for her sister and everything like that. There's a lot of elements to her character. Yeah, that's that's a very good choice. I mean, Katniss, I loved the books as well, and and the character in the books is great. But Jennifer Lawrence really brought that character to life. Um, She's without a doubt the main badass. Like, there's some other badass characters, but she is consistently 
fucking shit up with a bow and arrow in like a world of hovercrafts and stuff. So I mean, what more do you need? This woman is going full Rambo, armed with just a bow and arrow, and pretty much taking down the government. Um, I mean, she's she's super confident, but also kind of like reserved. So I think a lot of people identified with that, the fact that she's kind of shy, but also deep down a badass. Um, and I like what you were saying about her being like this generation's Princess Leia. Uh, to be fair, I was not born in the 70s, so it wasn't necessarily my generation. Uh, when did Star Wars come out? I have absolutely no idea. The first, the first one came out in 77. Oh, okay. Yeah, so uh, I was not born yet, so it's not necessarily my generation. Uh, just love watching it. But yeah, I love what you're saying, though. Katniss, like, she kind of brings, like, a whole new level of badassery to the next generation. Fantastic choice. Andy, you're up, brother. Cool. Easy one for me, sir. Um, Quentin Tarantino just had a new movie come out. I'm going to go back to an old one. I am going with Beatrix Kiddo also known as The Bride from Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2, as portrayed by Uma Thurman. Um, not much needs to be said. Just watch 15 minutes of the middle of Kill Bill 1 or 2, and you'll understand why. The fight with the crazy 88s is just insane, everything about it. It's like taking like quintessential Japanese action films just put together, the way they're shot kind of like a John Woo film, and just kind of turned on its head with the female lead. Um, even all the... Most, I mean, most of the villains in this are women, except for Bill, obviously, and his brother. But uh, you get Lucy Liu in one, which is amazing. You get Daryl Hannah in the second one as well. Uh, great movie. Uma Thurman has almost never been better, and the action in this is just top-notch. Yeah, that's a really good choice. Probably have to mention it. Not my favorite of the Quentin Tarantino movies. In fact, it's towards the bottom, but I have seen them all. And, yeah, it's kind of like you have to talk about The Bride. I mean, just one of the most deadly female characters of all time, outside of, like, Captain Marvel, but I'm not going to go down that that rabbit hole. Uh, yeah, I mean, just the, the fight scene with the, the Hori Hanzo sword and, like, all of Lucy Liu's men there, I mean, that's iconic. And, yeah, I, I'm fine with the choice. While it's not my personal favorite, I think it's a must-add for this list. Uh, Hannah, any additions there? Or is this also homework? I should. I should have brought my planner. I'll write all this down. <laughs> yeah, that one's not as much like homework as like smoking cigarettes. Like you okay. can you can put that to the back burner. It would be like primary tasks, secondary tasks. Yes, absolutely. Okay. That's it. correct. I got okay. my to do list ready for tomorrow. All right. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. I got one for you. My last one is going to be Lilu Dallas from The Fifth Element. Uh, one of my all-time favorite films. Just like a weirdly beautiful film that shouldn't be as good as it is, but it's just. It really stands the test of time. And uh, while Bruce Willis is your main protagonist, Lilu Dallas is who the story centers around. She is the fifth element, the supreme being. Um, she's got great lines in this. It's a young Mia Jovovich. And honestly, you can add her right up there with Sigourney Weaver as far as just all-time badass actresses of sci-fi and just, just badassery in general. Um, she was in the Resident Evil series, but this is how a lot of us got introduced to her. There's still so many women that rock the Lilu Dallas Halloween costume every year, so you know you've got an iconic character. Um, yeah, just funny, sexy, badass. I mean, the the scene at the end when you get the uh, you know that opera and then her just kicking ass in the hallway. That's that's top notch for me. It's just it's such an absurd movie and such an absurd role, and both are done so beautifully. And uh, I think I just summed up the fifth element. <laughs> yes, you did. Uh, Hannah, any thoughts on this one? This one should be on the homework list if you haven't seen it. This is a great one. Okay, 
that one's going on the homework list too. My friends are gonna have a field day with this because they always try to get me to watch movies, and I'm just so bad at it. Man, you're too busy watching Michigan basketball games from like 2011. That's exactly what I'm busy doing. Uh, well, I mean, you're probably spending your time doing more important things. The fact that we've seen so many movies <laughs> is not necessarily a testament to us having lives. I don't know if the number of times I've watched the Michigan-Texas A&M game from 2017 is more important than watching movies, but I'll take it. Yeah, I mean, hey, look, the outcome never changes in movies or in rewatched games, so you're doing about the same thing. <laughs> All right, Annie, you got one for us? Yes. Have you guys seen Legally Blonde? Of course. Yes. Oh, come on. I was going to give you guys homework. Okay. <laughs> um, We've seen well, everything. <laughs> I guess so. Um, Elle Woods is one of my favorite characters of all time, kind of because she's sort of, in a way, the antithesis of some of the other characters we've been talking about, where they're more subdued, and in a way, they have to kind of compromise their femininity to be the like stronger, like more badass female characters. And I really love how Elle Woods is... Granted, it's, like, more of, like, a chick flick movie, so there's not as, you know, complex of a plot, but I love how she is still fully just completely, like, girly and wearing all pink and carrying a chihuahua around, but they still make her the smartest, most badass character, and it shows that those two things aren't mutually exclusive, and I love that about that movie. Yeah, it's nice because you don't have to have, like, any injection of, like, perceived masculinity into a female to have her, like, you know, be, like you said, the badass of the movie. Exactly. Um, I mean, no, great choice. What do you think about the third one coming out next year? I didn't know the third one's coming out next year, but the second one was really bad, so... Mm. Yeah, second one, not great. Third one, um, we'll see. We'll Are see. The, like, is, like, Reese Witherspoon going to be in it? Of course she is. Come on. <laughs> oh, because there was another one where they had, like, her nieces, and I don't think she was in that one. You can't do another Bible without Jesus. You can't do another <laughs> Legally Blonde without Reese Witherspoon. That's the law. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's straight from the Bible. Yeah, that's actually in the Bible. It's Leviticus 12.12. 12. Right. <laughs> uh, I really like that choice, too, for the exact reason that you guys said, because we've kind of done some like very typically badass women here, and it's badass in the way that dudes see it as being badass, in the sense that they can, like kick your ass and they're really hot and all that. While Elle Woods is a very attractive woman, she also like kind of comes off as very ditzy at the beginning and you're like, oh, well this woman could never succeed and then you get into the role and you find out she's actually quite clever and she's actually able to like manipulate the situation to her advantage. So, and I'm a big Reese Witherspoon fan. She's actually an incredible actress. So she does with what should be a very simple role, she does a lot with it. And I haven't seen the second one, so I guess if you want to assign me that homework, you can, although it sounds like really rough assignment based on what you both just said there, but I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do it if need be, but I love this choice. All right. I got the last one bringing it up. I didn't want to spoil it. Um, she's kind of a, she actually, she is a villain, but then kind of not at the end. She's not a flat character. Um, my last badass female character is Regina George from Mean Girls. Because I think she is so badass and mean and conceited and conniving and watched it again recently and just glued to the screen. Couldn't get enough of it. Couldn't get enough of Rachel McAdams. I don't have homework for that one. Yes. I thought, I thought you could relate to this one. Yeah, I appreciate it. All right, well, do you have any thoughts on what makes her a badass character? I mean, 
Yeah, every, everything you just said. She is the, the movie's called Mean Girls, and she is the stereotypical mean girl, but I do think there's more complexity to her character and all the characters in that movie because they kind of play off of those stereotypes, which, like, in acknowledging the stereotypes, they almost kind of do away with them, and I really like that. Yeah, that's a great choice, man. I like that you threw that in there instead of, you know, keeping with the traditional choices there. Uh, Rachel McAdams is just one of my favorite actors, and she commands that role, and she absolutely owns it. And the fact that she can go in between that and then do, like, Spotlight and some other things where she's, like, a very composed, respectable woman, and then to go to that just total, like, completely psychopathic role that she did there, and to do it so well... Uh, she she owns that role, commands the screen. I would say probably more so than any of the other females in that, even though it's not centered around her. Love that pick. Yeah, I almost went Janice Ian, but I'm sorry, Regina just takes it. Who the hell is Janice Ian? <laughs> the the uh, what's her um, Lizzie Kaplan? She plays um, uh, Lindsay Lohan's best friend in the movie. Yeah, that's not... I'm not going to go ahead and follow up with that one. I'm not going to support that choice. You made the right call. come on, Jared. She is fantastic. She's all right. You made the right choice. Regina George is definitely the the, the alpha of that movie, I would have to say. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, So a couple honorable mentions that we didn't get to. uh, Sarah Connor from the Terminator series. Um, I didn't put her in there because there's just been too many of them, and it's been watered down. Uh, Trinity from The Matrix would have made a lot of sense, even though, once again, they just got worse and worse. But the first one's great. Hermione Granger was one I was kind of surprised no one picked. Somehow you haven't seen any of the Harry Potters, Hannah, which I think is illegal in Michigan, so you might want to check the, you might want to check the laws. I've avoiding seeing a lot of movies throughout my life. Well, not anymore. Now you've got enough homework to keep you busy until 2021. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, um, but yeah, Hermione Granger would have been another great choice. Uh, any other ones that we can think of that we're missing here? Did you say Sarah Connor? Yeah, I mentioned Sarah Connor. Um, I feel like there's definitely some like underrated I, I ones. McCarthy's a badass in Bridesmaids. Yeah, yeah, I like Helen Hunt and Twister. Very good choice. Um, Meg Ryan and anything she does. Uh, Kate. Hudson and Almost Famous. Ooh, that would have been a good one. Yeah, she owns that role. Um, I don't know, Hannah, is there anyone that you would have liked to mention if you had another choice? Yeah, um, Elizabeth Bennett from Pride and Prejudice, but that's more just because I'm an English major. Okay. My wife was an English major. Who was? My wife. Oh, cool. Yep, so I get all the all my doses of Virginia Woolf and all of the <laughs> Trust me, I'm right there with you. Very cool. I'm just an uncultured swine, so... Go back to tending bar, sir. (laughs) Where you belong. Uh, All right, that's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, Hannah, so happy that you could come on and do this with us. We're very appreciative. Um, Want you to give a plug for your podcast, but first I want to know, how many games does Michigan win this year? Ooh, okay. Uh, I don't know. Ten. Ten wins, so that puts them yeah. um, just outside of the Big Ten Championship, you think? They miss the Big Ten Championship game, or they go to it? I just can't imagine them going. I'm not I'm not imaginative enough for that yet. I haven't seen it yet. I don't know. Harsh, but fair. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, not just a play on your last name, which is a dope name, Hannah Harsh, too. So, yeah, make sure you follow them on Twitter. Actually, Hannah, why don't you give a plug for your podcast, follow you on Twitter, all that good stuff. 
Yeah, so my podcast is called Views from Stadium Boulevard. I co-host it with my friend Harley, who is also a student here at Michigan. So it's more student-focused. It's also just us being ridiculous. I really do think you can't find the way that we talk about Michigan sports anywhere else because we are just ridiculous. So, yeah, we're going to be doing our, like, we took a little break for the offseason, and we're going to be doing our next our first episode of football season next week. So watch out for that. Outstanding. We'll absolutely be looking for that. Make sure that you look for it. Like, share, subscribe. Our podcast, her podcast. We've got all the Michigan content, and uh, we favor ourselves a ridiculous podcast <laughs> as well. So, kindred spirits as far as that goes. Yes, definitely. Absolutely. Andy, you got any closing remarks before we sign off, my friend? Rivalry pod next week. Absolutely. Absolutely. Looking forward to that. I'm going to consume more beers than normal for that, so that should be a good time. Might say something real outlandish, get us kicked off the air. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> I relish it. All right, that's going to do it for Out of the Blue tonight. I'm Jared. That's Andy. That's also Hannah reminding you that wherever you go, go blue.